0: Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your home for daily Florida Gators coverage. Although I will admit it has not been too daily, as we've missed Friday, last Friday, and Monday's episodes. There was just a lot of different stuff that was happening for me and Demetrius. We apologize about that. However, we are back and we are ready to talk about Florida Gators football course, I'm your host, Zach Goodall. You can go and follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey, at Demetrius82. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's usually our title sponsor for Mondays, but here we are, and we're going to give you guys a surprise this week anyway. We're going to do an extra episode on Saturday to give you the final game day preview before the noon kick for Florida at Vanderbilt. And we are excited to cover that game. We're excited for the week ahead. However, first, I'd just like to talk a little something real quick with everyone. I would love if all of you went and subscribed, rated and reviewed on iTunes. Uh, let us know what we're doing with the show, right or wrong. We are always here for your feedback. It is the most important thing about this show, how much you enjoy it. That's that's why we do this, so you guys will enjoy it. However, I wanted to address a couple of reviews that have popped up Just in the past week or so, we've gotten three or four of them that have asked us to be a little bit more enthusiastic about the team and one that straight up said there's no homer on the show. Listen, I understand if you would like us to be more excited and more upbeat throughout the show and add more energy, we will absolutely accommodate that, and we're working to do that right now as is. However, if if you're coming to this show – and you are expecting us to treat this team as fit, like we're fans, like we're always going see to see things through orange and blue glasses. You've chosen the wrong podcast, and I'm sorry, we're just not a fit for you. We're analysts. I've never been a Florida Gators fan in my life. Neither is Demetrius. And we will support them in everything they do, as long as they do things correctly. But the role of a journalist is not to be a fan. We're here to determine if they're doing things correctly, not determined, but hold them accountable to do things correctly as a team. Uh, We are not here to pump them up for just the little things. We're here to analyze the team. We can be very energetic in that, but we are not going to come out here and act like fans. That's just not who we are. And again, if you're here thinking that that's who we are, you've come to the wrong show. So Demetrius, do you have anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah. I mean, just a little bit. I mean, I understand the enthusiasm part. You know, I can bring a little bit more fire sometimes. I can talk a little bit more excitable in terms of when we're speaking about the Florida Gators, kind of pump up a little bit more, bring you guys a little bit more excitement. Because I know at the end of the day, you're listening to the podcast not only just to get informed, but you want to be excited too and you want to be entertained. That I understand because that's why I listen to podcasts too. But Zach's right and that we just we just aren't Gator fans. We never were Gator fans when we, before we joined the beat, you know, I joined in March. I wasn't a Gators fan. I went to FAU. I think we spoke about this before. But obviously, as we get closer to the Florida Gators football team, we're going to have some vested interests. And we we do have some vested interests in this team. You know, we want to see them do well at times because we want to be able to talk about them in a positive light more than a negative light. I'll just give you a little bit of a perspective Before I joined the Jaguars beat, you know, I was a huge Jaguars fan because I grew up in Jacksonville. You know, naturally, you're attracted to the team that's in your city, you know, usually. And so before I joined that beat, I was thinking it's going to be pretty hard for me to separate this. I am it's going to be pretty hard for me to separate my fandom and the actual Jaguars football team and be able to talk about them in an objective manner. But I've actually been able to do it a little bit more now. I've been able to grow out of that a little bit. I've been able to take a look at them without having teal-colored glasses. And it's tough to talk about a bad team, regardless of if you're a fan or not. It's tough. It's not easy to talk about a team that loses every single week. The narrative is the exact same thing every single week. We ask the same exact questions to Doug Marone every single week. It's boring. I get that. So when you're talking about a team like the Gators and how excitable they are, they're very excited. We talk about these guys. I've talked about Kyle Pitts in extreme measures. I've talked about him as if he's a top ten pick. I've, you know, I've been excited about some players, specific individuals on the team. But if you're talking about the team as a whole, we have to, as reporters and as analysts and as whatever you want to call us, just non-fans, we have to take a look at it in objective light. And so that's why maybe sometimes we're not as homerish or as, you know, excited about them playing Felipe Franks and beating them down. It's just it's just one of those things where we want it to be perfectly objective so that you guys get that clear view before you head into the next day. And so, like I said, we'll try to be a little bit more excitable, but like Zach said, we're just not going to be that podcast to bring you the fandom. And I understand if you do want to listen to those kind of podcasts, it, it it makes complete sense. You want to be able mm-hmm. to relate with them a little bit more.
0: There's plenty of them out there. And I support all of them. I, I know most of the hosts of them, and they are all great at what they do, analyzing the team while being fans. That's and that's great stuff. I, I listen to those shows every now and then because I do enjoy hearing them and hearing different analysis. But just just again, that's it's just not what we're going to do. So I hope you guys choose to stick around and realize that the objective stuff is is what we'll bring because we think it's a great view of the team. And hopefully we can keep giving you a great show that's just unbiased. Speaking of, Demetrius, Kyle Trask should win the Heisman this year. Hey, there you go. Well, talk about energetic and being a fan. I actually agree with this at this point now. We didn't get to recap the game much, so we'll keep this kind of short because we've gone on a bit here. But we got to talk to Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen just about how comfortable he is within the offense. We saw it. He's gone six games of four-plus touchdowns, most touchdown passes in SEC history through six games, breaking last year's uh, the guy in second place was last year's Heisman and Joe Burrow. The guy right ahead of him posted one more touchdown in that stretch in Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. He's broken both of those records. Those guys were top five picks. Kyle Trask is doing stuff that no one else is doing at this point. Here's my excitement, everyone. Like, I'm bought in. Kyle Trask is the front runner. Let's go. And,
1: and I'll be honest. I'm I'm bought in, too. I, I finally am. And because I've I've said this point so many other times on this podcast, but Last year, I thought of him as more of a backup quarterback in the NFL. I really am thinking that this guy can go into the NFL and become a starter. I think that he can win the Heisman Trophy this year. And actually, he's the frontrunner right now, and for good reason. Just look at his numbers. I mean, 23 of 29 this week. 356 yards and six touchdowns. Now I know it's against Arkansas, but this is an Arkansas defense coached by Barry Odom. Who's brought them from 110th overall to 55th. And I believe they were even higher in terms of passing yards and in passing interceptions. And it, it, it was just an incredible performance without his stop, his top player. He made NFL throws. He's just lighting it up plain and simple. And it's not just because of Dan Mullen's system. I understand that that's a big point that a lot of people, a lot of naysayers are, are using, but I agree with you guys. And I agree with the the fan base and, and the the crowd as a whole who are in Trask's corner, because I am too. Now this guy, he's just incredible. He's, he's put up plenty of numbers. He's put up the Heisman like numbers. He doesn't have the rushing yards, but you don't need rushing yards. You just got to be a quarterback to win the Heisman nowadays, pretty much. And, uh,
0: and, considering, as as, and it, considering for him leading the NCAA in touchdown passes through six games by five over guys that are tied for second with eight and seven games.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, like, just look at his numbers compared to the other guys. They're playing more games. They're still not putting up the same numbers as him. I mean, it, it, it's just really simple and really easy for you to put Kyle Trask in here as the Heisman Trophy winner this year. And I think that the only obstacle in his way – will be that game against Alabama in the SEC title game, which which they're probably getting to. I, I, I would I would put money down if I could against that. They're going to get to the SEC title game. They're going to play Alabama. It's going to be an interesting contest between him and Mac Jones. Who knows? But
0: yeah, uh, Kyle I, Trask is... I was thinking, and I wrote it last week after the Georgia game, that I didn't think Florida would hang with Bama at this point. Now, when you're able to go out there, and we're going to talk about this more later, but go out there, score the most amount of points you've scored in a game by two possessions without a first-round caliber player, easily your most dynamic player on the offense, on the team. But argument for school history, if you really want to get into it, Uh, in Kyle Pitts, like to go out there and do what they did without him now, screw my argument from last week. Any given Saturday, any given Sunday, this Gators offense, is—it's they'll beat you.
1: Really, They really will. And I'm kind of in the same boat. I was thinking, no way they're going to be able to match Alabama. Now, I'm not saying they are going to be able to do it, but I'm looking forward to seeing if they can. And I don't think that it's uh, that much out of the question that they can. This offense has performed admirably. And we're going to talk about in the next segment, but it's just it's it's insane to see how well they're able to perform, especially when you look at it from last year's perspective. Yes, they were a good offense, but they weren't this good. They weren't even close to this good, in my opinion. Just from looking back on those games, it just wasn't on the same level. And we're we're talking about the same quarterback, but literally four receivers are in the NFL now from that team. It's just it's just been an unbelievable. Unbelievable performance from Trask, unbelievable performance from the Gators offense, and kudos to Dan Mullen for getting it done.
0: When we come back from this quick break, we're going to be talking about what we learned during Monday's press conference as it regards to injuries with the Florida Gators, what Dan Mullen had to share, as well as continuing to break down what this offense looked like without Kyle Pitts and what it tells us moving forward.
1: Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill. Watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged, Literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: In his Monday press conference, head coach Dan Mullen shared that, as we all expected, Kyle Pitts will be out against Vanderbilt. He is dealing not only with a concussion, but he had to have surgery on his nose. Uh, Following that hit against Georgia from Seen that ended up in his ejection from the game on a targeting penalty. Not great. I mean, obviously, we obviously extend our prayers to Kyle Pitts as he recovers from this because it sounds like... It was a lot worse than your average concussion. But with that, we knew that he wouldn't be playing this week against Vanderbilt. Mullen also added to the injury report that Trent Whittemore, he suffered a broken rib that actually ended up puncturing his lung. and That will hold him out this week. Uh, Again, someone that we wish the best to. There were rumors on Twitter that he was injured, but we didn't really know what happened within the game where he got hurt. There wasn't any focus on it. We just saw players tweeting uh, that they wished the best for him. And third, James Houston, uh, linebacker, is questionable for this week. I believe that one was undisclosed as to why, but we'll see if he's able to suit up. If not, they'll have to dive into their thin linebacker depth at this point. Demetrius, I think we know the complications of not having Pitts at the same time we saw that it literally meant nothing, and we're going to talk about him more in the third segment along with the rest of the offense. So with Whittemore and with Houston, what are your takeaways with those injuries and what could happen here?
1: Well, essentially with Whittemore, and this kind of ties into sort of what Pitts being out means for the Gators. Obviously with Whittemore, you could use him as a big receiver almost in that Kyle Pitts role, but simply just playing out of the slot more. Now that Whittemore's down, you're going to have to play with Kadarius Toney a lot more, which they probably would have regardless. But then this actually brings in an interesting perspective. I'm curious on your thoughts about this, Zach. What about transfer receiver Jordan Pouncey? I mean, we haven't seen him much at all this year, but now that you're getting kind of dwindling downs, I understand that you're going to have Shorter, you're going to have Trayvon Grimes, you're going to have Jacob Copeland still, but could you see Jordan Pouncey sort of filling in that role that Whittemore played, which is the you know 10 snaps a game, maybe a little bit more, maybe catch a, a seam route throw every now and then, just having him on the field, what do you think that that would do to the Gators' offense?
0: Well, I think that's yet to be seen. We know he really didn't get to do anything at Texas, but he is eligible to play now. Uh, he was cleared by the NCAA a couple of weeks ago. We've seen him in pads uh, on TV, so we know that he's healthy because he was dealing with an injury at this point during the off at one point during the off season, according to Mullen. So I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. You know, I think he's okay. a six foot one guy. So he doesn't offer exactly the length, or maybe not the field stretching, that uh, Whittemore does. And that's why they use him in the slot, because he is a unique slot weapon. He's not your standard slot guy. It's almost like when they use Kyle Pitts as a big slot, or put a different receiver that's got a ton of length in the slot, it's because there's a different matchup there. But we've seen UF spread the ball around so much this year. It seems like almost anyone, as unpredictable as they may be, because for as long as I've been on this UF beat, Kamori Gamble was a run blocker he was not a pass catcher and look what he did against Georgia. So <laughs> the fact that that they can just pull it out like that. Like one day the most the guy you will never expect to have a huge game in the receiving game comes out and lights it up with, on the other end of a Kyle Trask pass. Like it could happen. Right. And with that, you'd love to see Pouncey come out and do that. We you know with his injury, we know with his brother's injury, obviously wishing the best for uh, Ethan as he's recovering still from a hip surgery from this I believe just before the season started, it was a high school senior thing. But we'd love to see that as well as with the legacy of the Pouncy name in Florida history, Mike and Marquise, who were here during the Tebow days. We'd love to see another set of Pounceys come out here and start to do some stuff. So hopefully he could be the next guy to do so.
1: It'll be interesting. And you talk about, you know, how creative they can get on offense in terms of who might actually be out there having a big game. Maybe we'll see Anthony Richardson at tight end.
0: Hey, Dan said it. Well, not tight end, but he said the three three quarterback sets with Kyle, Emery, and Anthony.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Obviously, I'm just kidding. But but you're right. In terms of. You shouldn't be. These players, <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. They might just put him in there. Put him in there on the red zone, like have Emery in there, trash. He's 6'4, he's out there 235,
0: something. and he's a huge athlete. I, oh, this would be so fun. Anyway, put him continue. In there.
1: But, yeah, anybody on the Gators' offense seemingly can catch a pass and run 30 yards down the field. I feel like we've seen every single player who has actually played some snaps, you know, meaningful snaps, has at least had a 30-yard reception at some point during the game or during the season. It, it, it's incredible how how open they're able to get these guys. That's a credit to, obviously, Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson in terms of scheming this up and obviously the other offensive coaches doing the same thing. But I think you're right. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on Pouncey. Maybe he gets in, maybe he doesn't. But it is an intriguing person to watch because he does play that slot receiver position, and the only other slot they have right now that actually would probably play meaningful snaps is Kadarius Tony. So we'll end up seeing what's going to happen with him. Obviously, just just today, Mullen also included Houston for undisclosed reasons, as you said, Zach, as a person who is going to be or a player who's going to be questionable this week. What that does to the Gators. Linebacker core is almost, you know, it 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 hurts a little bit. I I understand that he was out against Arkansas, so now you're looking at guys like Amari Bernie who's going to be playing more. You're look at guys like Mahmoud Diabadi who's going to be playing more. You're look at maybe even freshman Derek Wingo, who got in there a couple snaps in the Arkansas game. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use the linebackers moving forward. If they're going to use newer guys in there, I would be really excited to see Wingo though. I just kind of want to see what he can do. I understand he was more of a pass rusher in high school, but with a guy who's athletic, as athletic as that, he can probably run sideline to sideline as well as filling in for that James Houston role, which James used to pass rush quite a bit and do well. So I would love to see Derek Wingo in there, maybe get him in there in the second half. This is Vanderbilt we're talking about. I understand last week we called the Arkansas game a trap game, and then look, look at the result. But this is not a trap game. This is a game where they ought to just completely annihilate Vanderbilt. Not to take away from their players and coaching staff, you know, obviously they have to be solid in order to be in the SEC at all. But this is a game where obviously Florida is is the better team. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens in terms of freshmen playing.
0: Yeah, you'd love to see it, and we've seen it throughout the year, especially at the end of games when they start to do those subs. Well, it, it takes a little while for them to get Trask out of the game, and I think at this point they have nothing left to prove. So you will want to start pulling him to avoid injuries, make sure he's good for Alabama. But whether it's him or other important guys, you definitely are going to want to start seeing freshmen coming in against the likes of a Vanderbilt, maybe against the likes of a Tennessee. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's just what it is at this point. They've proven – I I stand on this now that I think they've proven all they need to prove this year until it comes to crunch time.
1: They really have. I don't think that there's a single game left on the schedule, even the last game against LSU, where I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be tough. Obviously, you got Kentucky coming up, and we're going to talk about that next week, but – Kentucky doesn't look as like the same Kentucky as they have, but we'll see. They, they've they always had a pretty decent matchup against Florida in years past, especially recently. But just the way that Florida's playing this year, it's going to be really tough for me to call any game from this point on a, you know, scary game or a game to watch to make sure that they're still in it. They're, I think they're in it, and they're, they're in it for the long haul.
0: They just find a way of controlling it. Like, even when they get down – Quickly. They, they find a way to let their offense completely take control of games, and they can control it really at their will. So without Kyle Pitts, without Trent Whittemore, without whoever, really, as long as it isn't Kyle Trask, they, they seem to be fine. So that's definitely something that we'll want to keep monitoring uh, moving forward to see just how explosive they can be when they are back to full strength. But without Pitts, we saw it this past weekend that the game plan is a little bit different. Demetrius, in fact, I think you and I ended up nailing our predictions for the game in terms of what they would come in and try and do without Pitts on the field. So after this quick break, we're going to just take a look at what that game plan looked like and what we might see from them this week against this Vanderbilt team. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast, and I'll tell you what. Being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall, which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead. Filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. So, Demetrius, we've, we've really been pounding the table for Damian Pierce this year and really just for the running game as a whole to be utilized better. And it seemed like the Gators finally realized they can run the ball more, and still score like they don't have to do it every down that's not what we're asking them to do but there was almost like a reluctancy to run the ball and they finally realized that they could even it out in fact they could run more than they pass in a game and score the most points they have in a season
1: yeah they finally did it and that's not to say that every single week should be like that they shouldn't run the ball every more than they pass the ball every single week. That's just not how games work. You work to the game plan. You work against whatever the defense is giving you. But we kind of went into this game knowing how Arkansas was going to play. They're going to try to play the pass, and they did. They played a lot of dime. They made sure to stop the inside game, which is why you saw Kadarius Toney not really have much of a performance, although he still led the team in receptions. But he just wasn't able to get that I'm going to get it and then go kind of reception, which is what we've been used to in the past first, you know, maybe four games of the season, I guess it was. But no, they ran the football and they ran it well. They chewed up clock. They controlled the game from the start to finish. And it's because of the, it's because they ran the game or ran the football, they controlled the time of possession. Substantial. And they were able to... They were, substantially they were able to do what we kind of talked about them trying to do before they ran the ball six times in the in the first drive with Pierce and they were able to do it successfully he had 5.8 yards per carry I believe and he had 12 rushes his, his second most rushing attempts on the season they could have gotten the ball more but you know it is what it is 69 yards it was just a great performance and a great effort a great game plan from Dan Mullen I think that he nailed it in today's press conference, you know, talking about how they needed to play a certain way against Arkansas because of what they saw on tape and close the game out better. And I think that they did close the game out better. What do you think, Zach?
0: Yeah, I definitely think they did too. Uh, Like we said, they just found a way to control it. Even though Arkansas was able to make threatening plays from time to time, I mean, we saw it from Felipe Franks, it just, Florida had total control. And they had control when they were running. They had control when they were passing. It was just from start to finish they could do really as they pleased. Now, w- w- when it comes to it this week, I don't know if they're going to have to focus on one thing or another, being an 0-6 Vanderbilt team. And granted, you can't sleep on, any- on anyone, but sure. Arkansas, you know, they're giving up now I think 30 yards more per game just after this Florida game. They were ahead of Florida in the SEC team defense rankings. Now they're behind. And Vanderbilt is now just behind Arkansas at 443. When you think about it, they're giving up almost 50 yards more per game than Arkansas was entering the week against the Gators. It's one where I don't think we can even really be that piggy at this point. Just come and kind of do your thing. You don't. this is a great week to keep resting Kyle Pitts, I guess.
1: Yeah, we don't have to harp on them doing really anything. They can do whatever. They should be able to do whatever they want against Vanderbilt and win. And we'll talk more about the Vanderbilt game. This isn't the preview of that. But we're just talking about the difference in how they performed against Arkansas than in weeks past. Even the Georgia game, it seemed as though they kind of took their foot off the pedal. I believe they only scored six points in the second half in that game. They were outscored seven to six. I mean, to put it that way, it sounds really bad. They still won the game by a pretty large margin. When, when it was all said and done, but it is a little bit tricky when you think about how you have to play a team to win and to win well. Dan Mullen said in the press conference today, he said, I think every game is very different. I know you guys look at things. Why didn't we score more points in the second half? Or why we didn't do this? You're playing the game. These guys were super up tempo. He's talking about Arkansas there. A great second half team that has to come back and won a lot of games. And so we knew that we needed to score more in the second half, not just control the tempo of the game, the clock, or pin them deep. Now, what he's talking about is against Georgia, they sort of tried to control the the ball and make sure that Georgia didn't have many opportunities to score. But we saw that that could that might have came back to hurt them because there were a couple of Mathis passes that went deep and just weren't completed because Mathis didn't complete the ball. But, I mean, the receiver is wide open. He's ready to score a touchdown on any given down. So we'll see how they move forward, especially I guess we won't really see too much tough competition in terms of defenses coming up. But each and every week it's going to be something different for what they are able to show. And this is a good preview game, in my opinion. The Arkansas game was a good preview game to see exactly how balanced they can be to know that they do have it in them to control the ball that the way that they did to play the deep to play defense, the way that they did to, to just play to their opponent. And I, I thought it was just a great performance and it was exactly what we were calling for.
0: Dan Mullen was in his bag and, and so were we.
1: <laughs> I mean, not, not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back that
0: much, but well, listen, you know, people, will, people will, Mus- will Muschamp will was just relieved of his duties at South Carolina and we've talked a little bit about it, and it's so far away. There's nothing to this. We're just, we're just floating names for potential guys to fill that. And you look at what Brian Johnson's done this mm. year as Florida's offensive coordinator, and what Kyle Trask has been able to do. Of course, it, it, maybe not just South Carolina, but in general, he's going to be a head coaching, a name that's that's floating around in head coaching circles for this upcoming off season. So maybe you and I can just go and join, and take his spot.
1: Put his <laughs> Should we? <laughs> Do you guys think that that would be a good idea? Should we call the plays for, for the Gators next year? I mean, just, just let us know in the uh, views. Or...
0: You have this one-game sample size where we're gloating.
1: We're good. <laughs> 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 although we did call it a trap game, and then they, they went on to score 63 points. But I will say, although we called it a trap game, and we've kind of been called out by even Kyle Trask today aren't calling it a trap game, I still believe it was, it just didn't turn out that way. Sometimes trap games go different direction. You know, this, this was a game where Felipe Franks could have went off and he actually played pretty well. If they would have scored a couple more times, who knows what would have happened. But anyways, it it, it, it would be awesome to see Brian Johnson just put, just put his name in the hat. I understand he's a really young coach, but you got to just look at that. Not even from an offensive game plan perspective in terms of how he's able to call the games and I believe that he is this year, you know he's he's calling him more often than he was in years past now. he's given the office coordinator role officially it, 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 he's also the quarterback coach, so he's in he's in charge of developing these guys. I know Dan Mullin's a heavy has a heavy hand in developing Kyle Trask. don't get me wrong, but look at what Brian Johnson has been able to do with Trask this just this year as being the first you know the first line of defense in terms of his coaching it's just been incredible to see the growth and progression from this quarterback. And I think that Brian Johnson is a huge part of that. And I'm just excited to see him. You know, he's a, he's a great guy from, from what I've seen in the pressers that I've been to this year. And and yeah, I'm just excited for him and and, and his future.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I think that he's absolutely proven this year, even though how young he is and we've seen younger coaches start to get more opportunities that he's got what it takes Florida's offense, even last year, was very good. This year, it is an elite passing offense with him at the helm. Uh, obviously, credit goes to Trask and Dan Mullen equally, really, but just Johnson's done a great job, so I'm excited to see as well. I think that should just about do it for us today here at Lockdown Gators. Of course, if you don't already, make sure to go and follow us on Twitter. Myself at zach underscore goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82, and most importantly, the Lockdown Gators handle at locked on Gators. You can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, as well as listen just about anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. And of course, like we said at the beginning of the show, please, even with our little re- uh, our little rant on the reviews in terms of what we are trying to provide you with the show, we hope that cleared things up. Still, don't let that stop you from leaving us a rating and review, even if it's a one star and even if it's just you know, if, if you've got real constructive criticism and you want us to improve the show, you want us to better this show, we I guarantee you want to do it just as much as you want us to because we want to make this enjoyable for you, the listener. So please go and let us know on iTunes or on Twitter what we're doing right or wrong with this show, and we will make sure that we fix it for you. And with to that, chime in here just oh, a ahead. little
1: bit. Sorry, Zach. Just to chime in here a little bit. I believe both of our DMs are open on Twitter. So I had a person message me recently giving us little tips on what we can do to improve his listener, you know, like what he likes to hear in terms of our podcast, giving us pros and cons, which is great. I, 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 I want that. I'll interact with you. I'll talk to you anytime. It doesn't matter. Just DM me or Zach and just, you know, give us some tips or, or just what you think that would be good for us to improve this and improve you guys listening. Cause I know you guys are out there. Just, just talk to us.
0: Yeah. My DMs are open too. Uh even think, Maybe I'm wrong, but my email might be on my Twitter account. If not, it's on SIL Gators, where we do our written work. So plenty of ways to get in contact with us. Do not hold back. We want to hear from you. With that, we'll catch up with you guys next time. Or I guess Monday when we spoke with them. Just more about Kyle's comfort within the offense. No, that's not what we're going to talk about second.